James chapter 4. Um, first service, uh, I, I knew I was going to have time, but I was stubborn and I tried to do my, my teaching like I would normally do it. I'm not going to do that this service. Um, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Don't worry, um, it's going to be about the same, but it's not going to be completely everything in there. Um, I, had a, I had somebody come up to me last week and said, when they were telling me how, how uh, just sharing with me how, how the, the series on James had, uh, um, how this book has spoken into their lives, their family life, and they believe our church life. And how many guys believe that? That's, it hasn't been easy, but it's been good. Amen? And, uh, and then, I love what he said last. He says, but you know what I'm most thankful is, Pastor Sean? I said, what is that? James is only five chapters. <laughs> so we're going to finish James, but I'm going to do it just a little differently. I'm not going to go verse by verse. I just don't have time to do it justice in that. But I want you to look at with me on James chapter 4, verse 13. And um, the thing about James here in this last part, remember the whole part that he's writing to. You've got to remember who he's writing to. He's writing to Christians who are going through it. They're, just, they're scattered. They're oppressed. They're hurting. Uh, they're going through trials. That's why he started out, take joy in trials. And, and here, you know, he's doing some correction. He's t- telling us, basically, this is what it means to be a believer. This is what it means to be saved. And if you're not doing this, then he's questioning your salvation. That's what he's saying to us. He's questioning whether you have really been changed in the inside. And so we've had that. We've gone on. We've gone on through a lot of things. And here, James, he really starts to put into it, but he comes back, and he's going to give them some hope. And you have to really look into it, because here they're being oppressed, and he's coming. To, he's, he's, he's correcting some things, too, but they're being impre- oppressed again. But the, I think the, the unifying thought throughout this is he's trying to tell them, don't give up. Have a faith that lasts. Have a faith that perseveres. And this is the unifying theme in this whole thing. So here, in verse 13, I'm going to read it really quickly. It says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. And anyone then who knows the the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moth and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver has corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fatted yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is 
for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And as you know, we considered blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, you will be, or you will be condemned. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and then the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way shall be saved from death Excuse me, and cover a multitude of sins. Now listen, there's a lot in there, and I just don't have time to go through it all. I don't think I really need to, because the main thing that he's talking about, how are these people going to start from being persecuted, being oppressed, how are they going to finish? And this is his thing. This is his finishing here. And he's, he's telling them, I want you to finish well. And this is how you're going to fi- finish well. And the number one char- characteristics of how to finish well, how to have faith that lasts, is a faith that is humble. First, that faith that perseveres is humble before God. And so what he's talking about in chapter 4, verse 13, he's, he's using a business phrase that they used to say a lot. They used to do it still traveled in the first century, first century in business. And this is what they would say. Today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. And the people would talk about their business affairs. They would talk about the future. But what they were not talking about is how God was going to be involved in it. And so he's warning them, if you want to succeed... If you want to continue, if you want to get through this trial, this tribulation, this suffering, this struggle that you're in, you're going to have to have faith. In order that faith is going to be persistent. And you may be here today and you've been going through some things. You're going to have to humble yourself. So he wasn't coming against planning. He was against planning that didn't involve God. Because we can become so consumed with this material world, this physical world, and these things that are coming on along with us. And when trouble hits, guess what? You know what I want to do when trouble hits? I want to find a way out. I want to try my best to find a way out so I start to plan. I've told you this a number, a number of times before, but a number of years ago, our church was in some financial difficulty. We, weren't, we were just we were very low on funds. And so I'm in my office, and I'm planning, you know, what do we need to do? How am I, how are we going to make money, um, and, and am I gonna have, we're going to have to lay off staffing, or we're going to have to cut hours, or we're going to have to cut pay, we're going to have to cut, you know, support. And, and I'm over here, don't look at me like that. So I'm over here just, just doing the Lord's work, I thought. And the Lord says to me, and says, Sean, who told you to do that? And I says, mm, Me? 
He says, right, and you need to stop it. And so here I am, I'm fighting with the Lord, but Lord, but Lord, we need to cut. We need to do these things. And he says, yeah, you need to cut, but not the way you think. And so we didn't cut any staff. We didn't cut any salaries. We didn't cut any, um, any giving. And what did he tell me to do? Give more. That's what we did. We gave. And we continued to do that. And I stopped worrying. And I humbled myself before the Lord. And I, 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 I got his word. And see, the thing about it is, you're going through things. And what, what do you want to do? You want to plan your way out. Remember, I started this at the very beginning. Sometimes that's the worst thing you can do. Because maybe you need to go through something. I mean, not the struggle. You need to go through to a place. And when you're starting to plan your own ways, what happens? It's, it's selfish. It's not, it's self-indulgent. I mean, in fact, this whole world wants you to be self-sufficient, right? You be self, you're, you're self-sufficient. You do it yourself. But look, Proverbs 19.21 says this, Many are the plans in a purpose, person's heart, but it's only the Lord's purposes that prevail. See, the problem is not planning in and of itself. The problem is planning in such a way that you leave God out of it. Faith places God in control of our life. Faith allows the will of God. That's why Paul says, I mean, excuse me, James was saying, he says, our, our life is like a mist, smoke, literally a vapor. Here one second and gone the next. And James is saying, you don't know what's next. You don't have the wisdom, the foresight to know what's around the corner. So in this mindset, if you start planning and doing your own thing and you start putting faith in your own plans and it's going to fail. Because this is, this is what happens when we don't submit our plans to the Lord. We miss out on something that could be better or greater. Or it could take us down a road that seems good, but it ends up being a dead end. How many's ever been down those roads? But God wants to, He knows how to navigate around these certain things. He knows, how, how to, he knows the obstacles and where he can, he can step in the right step in the right place. He knows where the landmines are, right? And he knows not to step on them. So what did he say? Follow in my footsteps. Follow in my place. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. So if you're going to get through the stuff that you're going to get through, and listen, all of us are going to have trouble, right? You're going to have trouble. And, 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 the, and, the, and, and the thing about trouble, it's going to come. You may be doing really well right now, and I don't want to, I don't want to, it's not you don't have faith for trouble. God, give me trouble. No, don't do that. But you're going to, trouble just comes, whether it's because of you or because there's an enemy who doesn't like you. And so humble submission to God is so important. That God, I lay down my life and I give it to you. And that's how faith be, really begins to work, is that God, I'm not going to plan this out. I'm going to give it to you, and you are in control of this. So faith that perseveres is humble. The second faith that perseveres is faith that is obedient to the will of God. See, humble submission to God's will means humble obedience to, the, to, to God's will. Verse 17 says, Anyone then who knows to do good, he ought, knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So it's not only um, being... Submissive to God, humbling yourself to Him, 
but it's obeying what he tells you to do, whether it's in his word or whether it's in the, by the Holy Spirit. And James tells us, you know, he gives us kind of an understanding about sin. There's really, really kind of, in a sense, two categories of sin. There's sins of commission. And by that, I mean that what God has said not to do, sins of commission. And so if God says, don't do that, then if you do it, that's a sin of commission. But there's also a sin of omission. And when God tells you to do something and you don't do it, that's a sin of omission. So if God says don't covet and you covet, it's a sin. God says don't do these things and we don't, and we don't, and we don't do them, it's, we are disobeying God. We're not honoring God. And so we've got to be obedient. Listen, whenever you're going through things, stop being obedient to yourself and being obedient to God. In fact, probably being obedient to your flesh is what got you in that problem anyway. So you humble yourself before the Lord. You you lay it all down. And listen, this is the first thing you need to do. Stop running to, you know, I say this all throughout this message. Stop running to Google to try to figure out. How many when you get sick, you Google it? Just raise your hand. I'm one of them. I've done that. You know how many diseases I could have had? By running to Google, it brings fear. What's the opposite of faith? It's fear. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to rely in who you are and your understanding because it's flawed. But when we say, God, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to trust you. But also, when I hear what you say, I'm going to obey it. See, not to obey it means that you have yet to humble yourself before the Lord. He is not the Lord of your, in your life. It's like, like when, when the Lord told us to give more in, in a church, and, and Lisa and I, we do the same thing. When our, especially when our finances are low, I always go to the Lord, and Lord, what's going on? What do I need to do? And because um, the enemy steals. I mean, you can, you know, in your finances, and I'm going to be talking about generosity here in a couple months, but in your finances, um, uh, you, could, you could get paid the same amount, have the same amount of bills, but sometime, what happened? How many's ever been there? It's like the thief has stolen something, right? And so you got to figure out, God, why is that? Now, it could be you, you know, could be you going out to eat too much and that stuff. And you have to find that out from the Lord. But you need to listen to him because God has a way out. He has a way out of every situation that you come in. But you have to humble yourself and obey. And so when I, when I financially, I, I, he always has every single time when finances are low, I want you to give. Why is that? Because giving produces something, right? It produces what? More the opposite from the world, right? So in the other things, you got to listen to what he says. And a lot of times, it's going to go against what you thought was right. That's probably a good thing. Listen to him. If you're having fam- problems in your family, listen to the Lord on what to do about it. Amen? That's being obedient. That's humbling yourself and then do it. Faith at last is obedient to God. And when we see it in His Word or when the Holy Spirit tells us we know what we should do, we should take joy in it. Why should we take joy in it? Because we know it's right. He is never, ever wrong. 
God is never, ever wrong. It is good. And when he says, go this direction, go. Because it's a good direction. So if you want to get through, and that's what James is telling these believers here that are oppressed, that are hurting, that are scattered. I want to see you win. I want to see you come through it. So faith that perseveres and lasts is humble and obedient. But that leads us to the third characteristic of faith. Faith that lasts is confident in the justice of God. See, the whole, whole thing that was going on here, and James kind of talks about this, and it's kind of funny the way James looks at it in verse chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Because all throughout James, he's talking to brothers and sisters in the Lord. He's talking to the church. But here, he's talking to unbelieving, wealthy people. He doesn't mention brothers at all. He, he tells them to wail and to misery. And he tells them to, 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 uh, to cry. And that's not what he's telling us as believers to do throughout James. He's telling us to have joy. We, you know, he's leading us. Now, he tells us some things if we're going to sin. But he's talking about these wealthy people and what was happening. The wealthy people of that day owned the land. And it's still the same today. But anyway, um, but even of that day, it was only in the hands of a few people. Now, James is not coming against wealth. I want you to understand that. Wealth is not bad. Wealth used selfishly is wrong. It's sin. Okay? God uses wealth. In fact, I, I want you to understand this that he is writing to these people, but there's really two reasons he's writing to these people, because there are also wealthy Christians. And he wants them to know that, hey, don't act like this. Because here's what they were doing. They were hoarding their wealth. They were hoarding it. And it's like what Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 12. They were hoarding it. They had so much finance and so much money that they were hoarding it all for themselves. They had so much that they had to build new barns to put into them. New places to have them. And so, and other people were hurting. And so they were hoarding them. And, and, and James is saying, that's wrong, that's sin. You're going to be judged for that because Jesus is coming. And so he's telling those, these wealthy people, watch it. And not only that, they were, they were having self-indulgence. They were, they, were, they, were, they were doing stuff just for themselves and neglecting their workers. In fact, James uses a, um, a statement that's very harsh. He says, you're, you're really murdering them. In fact, um, a commentary I read about uh, verse 6 in this says, talks about how in the Jewish culture, when you withheld a wage from a worker, from a Jewish man, or that you were basically murdering them. Because they couldn't eat. They couldn't feed themselves. So James is going off on these guys. But, and so I want you to understand this. The workers he's talking about were probably Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord. Who were being oppressed by these wealthy men. So James is saying to them, you're going to be judged for that. And he's telling the wealthy Christians, don't act like this. Don't act like this. Don't store up yourselves treasures on earth. Store up yourself treasures in heaven where rust and moth can't destroy and where thieves can't come in. 
And so he's telling them, don't do that. But the second thing he's getting to them, and especially these um, poor people. Now, let me tell you something. Here in America, we probably are, um, we mostly relate not to the poor and the oppressed here. And I don't know if you consider yourself poor or not, but you are not poor compared to the rest of the world, and especially these people here. You and I really, um, in America, relate more with the wealthy here. Now, you may be poor to, to in some standards or something and don't have enough, but in the rest of the world, you ask Mark, he'll tell you. He just was there. You are rich. But I want you to kind of understand what's going on here. So he's telling the rich, and so we can learn something here, that if you want to have faith, you've got to be faithful, right, with what God's given you. You've got to be faithful. But you also have to be confident in the justice of God. Because here's what it is, and I want you to kind of bring yourself to understanding the poor right now here. These scattered, oppressed Christians. Because they have injustice being done to them every single day. And they're asking, why? How many ever asked why before? Raise your hand. Here they are. They're hurting. God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? We've all been there, right? And so what he's saying to them is that um, I know God is coming. The judge is coming to judge the sinful. He's talking about the the wealthy non-Christians. But he's also coming to deliver the faithful. I love what verse 4 in chapter 5 says. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. So these oppressed people, he's, he's saying, listen, if you're going to get through this, and you should because the Lord is going to bring his justice. You've been hurt. You've been scattered. People are taking advantage of you. People are talking about you. They're persecuting you. And I want you to know something, that the judge is coming. Justice is going to happen today. Justice is coming. Don't give up. You're going through the valley. Don't give up. Don't stop. Humble yourself before the Lord. Be obedient to the Lord, but have confidence that God's got this. He's going he's to bring justice to your situation. And us here today, no matter what you're going through, God is going to bring justice. He's going to bring you through. He's going to take you to the other side. And you've got to keep on. You've got to keep going. You've got to remember and be confident in the justice of God. And that's what he's telling them, that the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies of God, God has heard your cry, and he's coming to answer your prayer. And so faith at last is confidence in the, in the justice of God, but it leads us to this next picture of faith. Faith at last is patience. And you see from verse 7 through 11, you can circle patience or perseverance in your Bible in the face of suffering. You have, you've heard of Job's, even goes into Job, Job's perseverance. 
And it's a beautiful picture of perseverance. He's saying, don't give up. He says, be, be, be patient like a farmer that's waiting for the harvest. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I, I grew up, my mom and dad, before we were saved, my dad thought the world was coming to an end. It was back in 1982. So we had to get out of the city, buy some land, and become hermits. And farm and learn how to make fuel out of potatoes and buy guns. We had a lot of guns. And when my dad got saved, he dumped it all. Anyway, because um, it didn't come true. But anyway, um, so we, we, I understand some things about farming. And, and, you know, farming, he talks, he uses the illustration about farming where you, you need to learn to trust. And, you know, there's some things that you're going through that are out of your control. In your struggle, he's telling them, you can't control those things. And a lot of times, what do we want to do? We want to try to control. And a lot of times, it's other people that are causing our trouble. And you can't control other people. And so Paul, uh, James is saying, you can't control that. It's like a farmer. He can't control the rain. He, need, he lives and dies by the weather. And he can't control it. But what do you do? You have to give it to the Lord. Because if, if there's not enough rain, there's drought, there's too much rain, there's rot. And he, you can't control those things. So you have to give it to the Lord. You can't control some things. But there are some things that you can control. And you've got to learn to be patient. And you've got to give those things to the Lord. And trust God with what you can't control. And what does the farmer do? He trusts God with the weather and he goes out and sows seeds. He does what he knows to do. He works. He honors God with what he can control. In verse 9, it talks about how they were complaining and that was the temptation. And a lot of times when you're going through the struggle, you've got to humble yourself. You've got to be obedient. You've got to be confident that God's going to bring justice to your situation. But you've got to be patient. And then to be patient, you've got, you can't worry about the things you can't control. You've got to give it to the Lord. And you, then as you have humbled yourself and you're listening to the Lord, you do what He tells you to do. You control what you can control. And maybe today you're walking through some things. But let me tell you some things you can control. You control your mouth. Am I right? Sometimes you just need to shut it. Because <laughs> all you do is complain. Woe is me. I, I'm hurt. Yeah, you are. And there's, there's no doubt about that. And you can, you can communicate that to the Lord without complaining. You can communicate that to the Lord without going to Facebook and letting everybody know how terrible you have it. Because you're missing out on something. You're missing out on speaking what God is saying. If you think God is saying that about you, you're in trouble. Your life is screwed up, son. He's not saying that about you. You know what he's saying about you? What he sees in the future. Which he's already there, by the way. You need to speak what he says. You need to think what he thinks. Stop think You know, you make up a lot of your problems, right? Some things, you know, with me, my problems get a lot bigger in my head. Right? It's a lot bigger than what it really is. So I need to give God what I can't control. God, here you go. And I need to control these. I need to control me. 
And I need to start speaking the words of God. Because I can control my response to these struggles, these trials. And that's what James is telling them. Listen, if you're going to get through this, if you're gonna, you need to humble yourself. That's faith. Be obedient. Be confident. Be patient. But the only way you're going to be patient is that you've got to give to God, to God the things you can't control. And you've got to control your response. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to speak His word. You're going to worship Him. You're going to speak what he speaks. It's like the prophet seeking truth. And like Job, hoping in God's purpose. I love verse 11. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. You know what the Lord finally brought about? A lot more than what he had before. I mean, that's a good return. Job had 42 grueling chapters. Have you read Job lately? It's not the first book you usually go to. 42 chapters. Now, it was, only, it was probably less than a year in Job's life. It wasn't that long. How many of you guys understand that when things are going bad, it seems like forever? But when things are going good, it's like a moment. It's like your vacation you all just got back off on. It's like, man, that went fast. But when things are going bad, it seems like it's forever. That's why we're with Job. But it's only probably a few months. But what did Job learn? He says, I have seen what the Lord finally brought about. He says, I, I, I've heard about it. But now I've actually seen it. I've seen him. See, to persevere is have patience. It's also faith is going to be trustworthy in your speech. You're going to speak those right things. You know, Pastor Joe did an awesome message on that a couple weeks ago. You're going to speak the right things. And then finally, faith that is going to persevere is faith that is prayerful. Faith that lasts is prayerful. Look at verse 13. He says, is any of you in trouble? He should pray. If he's sick, verse 14, he should call the elders of the church to pray. In verse 15, the prayer that's offered in faith makes a sick person well. Verse, uh, verse 16, I mean 15, verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Verse 17, when Elijah earnestly, when he prayed, it didn't rain. When he prayed again, it rained. Pray. See, Faith that's going to persevere is going to be out of a person who knows how to pray. Instead of running and telling everybody about it, pray. You know, the first thing you should do before you say anything to everybody else is find the word of the Lord. Is fall on your face before the Lord and say, God, I need you. What do I need to do? What do I need to say? pray. You pray when you're hurting. You worship when you're happy. You pray. You get to with the Lord and you believe Him. And that's going to bring you out of that trial. Because you're going to have faith that is humble, faith that is obedient, faith that is confident in the justice of God. There's justice coming. Faith that is patient. Faith that that knows how to speak. Amen? And faith that knows how to pray. 
Because you're going to go through things. And some of you are going through some things right now. And I'm not making light on it. It's hard. I know I've gone through things. It's hard. It's not easy. It's like these people who are the scattered church that James was talking to. These scattered men and women. He was saying to them, I want you to win. I want you to be able to take joy in trials. Because there's a way out. God is bringing you to a place. And this is how we live as Christians. This is how we as believers respond to the things of this world. This is how it is to be a Christian. This is how we talk. This is how we act. This is how we live. And this is what all James was about. And this is how we win. By faith. Amen? By fully trusting God. And we do that by humbling ourselves. By being obedient when we hear Him. By being confident that justice is going to prevail. And not complaining about the things that are going on around us. Controlling what we can control and what we can't control. We give to the Lord. Being patient. Being prayerful. Speaking the right things. And you're going to see something happen. This is what I see. I've been in full-time pastoral ministry for 26 years. And this is what I've seen. I've seen this in my own life. And I've seen this in other people's lives. There are some who get it. Who can understand. Who walk through and don't give up. And reach that Job reward. How many guys want that Job reward? Double. But there's some who just. Either give up. Or continually just. Hanging out in that valley. The Bible says you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Not camp in there, not stay in there. That's not a vacation spot. That's not some place to lay your head. That's some place to, to go through, right? And you're going to fear no evil. And God's going to direct you and he's going to guide you in that. He's going to get you. Well, how's that going to happen? Because you've humbled yourself. You're being obedient to his word. You're confident that justice is going to prevail. And you're, you're, you're going to be patient. And you're going to speak the right things. And you're going to pray. And hear the voice of God. And communicate to God. And the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And guess who's righteous? You are. Because of what Jesus did. Amen? How many of you guys want to see that? Amen? Bow your heads, close your eyes.